This episode is brought to you by HealthMate Saunas. After much research and study into finding ways to increase my energy, all answers pointed towards incorporating saunas into my recovery. Infrared saunas differ from traditional saunas because they warm you from the inside out. Saunas provide deep relaxation and boost that energy through increased blood flow and also cleanse the system, release toxins and provide a deep detox. For me, I use my sauna at the end of a tough workout or after a busy working day. And of course, having the sauna conveniently in my house removes all obstacles of making it part of my weekly routine. I simply plug in my HealthMate to the usual household plug and I'm ready to go. But why is a HealthMate better than any other infrared sauna? HealthMate are the global market leader in infrared saunas and have been for the last 40 years. They're the only company to offer a patented infrared technology which guarantees that infrared penetrates deep beneath the skin, critical to getting our health benefits. They only use green and sustainable materials on their saunas and are the only company to offer an unconditional lifetime warranty. Personally, I have a two-person cabin, but there are a variety of models, shapes, and sizes that can work for you, all available at health-mate.co.uk. Go to their website to get yours. This is Take Flights with Mark Whittle. Welcome to Take Flight. I'm Mark Whittle, former city worker turned performance coach, and this is your place for inspiration, and education on ways to optimize your performance and find your purpose. The most powerful force in the world is to be consistent with your identity. If the shoes don't fit, take them off. You can lie to everyone else, but you can't lie to yourself. You need to trade your expectations for appreciation. You know, we only live once. When all is said and done, the only thing you have left is your memories. Our guest this week is the amazing Dr. Hazel Wallace. Hazel is the founder of The Food Medic, She's also an NHS medical doctor, a registered nutritionist, and a best-selling author. Hazel started the Food Medic blog in 2012 as a medical student in the hope of bridging the gap between conventional medicine and the latest research, developments, and thoughts on nutrition, exercise, and other lifestyle choices, and how that can impact our health. She has two books out, The Food Medic and The Food Medic for Life, and has recently finished working as a COVID doctor during the pandemic. It was so fascinating and moving speaking with Hazel about her time as a COVID doctor and hearing about the amazing work she did alongside her team. And it's the first time we've had this insight on the show. We also got to discuss many leaps of faith, starting with her blog in 2012, then the leap to study and become a doctor as well as, interestingly, her very latest and biggest decision to leave the NHS and focus far more on her business, The Food Medic. Of course, this is Take Flight, so we also hear some very personal stories that haven't been shared by Hazel anywhere else as she reflected on the biggest moments in her life that caused huge transformation. I feel very grateful Hazel was comfortable sharing those stories. She also has such a lovely Irish accent, which makes for nice listening and a welcome change to my dulcet tones, I'm sure you'll agree. Please enjoy this special conversation with the lovely Dr. Hazel Wallace. Hazel, welcome to the Take Flight podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. We're out of the house. We're finally. in central London. Yeah, finally. What's it just been a year? It's been fine. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for coming down. We're in Soho Radio again. Uh, I've been looking forward to speaking with you. You're a, a doctor, nutritionist, author, qualified PT. What am I missing? 
I think that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> which which of those do you identify with the most like when you hear that? Well, it's such a tricky question because I um I feel like I'm going through a bit of a stage of transition. Mm. I don't I feel like I identify with all of those labels, but I don't strongly identify to one solely. I think for the last two years or last five, six years, doctors being like my main profession, how I identify, you know, people refer to me as Dr. Hazel all the time. So that would be kind of my main identity, but I don't really do things in a conventional way. So I'm not like a traditional doctor in that, you know, I run my own business. I'm also a nutritionist, which I'm dual registered as. And so I feel like I'm kind of going through a transition where I'm not really sure who I identify as. And that's been really interesting and also challenging for me. Because if there's no one in your field that you can compare yourself to, you feel like a bit of a lone ranger. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. And so, yeah, I think I identify as, you know, someone who runs the food medic. And that's my kind of my sole purpose at the moment and my sole driver. Um, and I think it's okay to ebb and flow through those different identities over time. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So when you say, because so for five years you identified as a doctor, what did that mean then? Because you're saying you still run your own business mm. and you're not acting as like a traditional doctor or what does that work look like? Yeah, so for context, like I uh, usually work in a hospital um, and have been for since I qualified in 2016 and I've just come out of a very tough period working as a COVID doctor and decided to take a step back from my NHS work and fully focused on the food medic, which is my brand, largely based around health, fitness and nutrition and kind of bringing all of that together so it requires me to be a doctor to do that job but I guess I'm not seeing patients on a one-on-one um, basis as I would as a in the hospital and so that transition is uh is kind of what I'm referring to but when I identify as a doctor I guess as with ev- everyone else I in my head see that as the type of doctor who has a stethoscope around their neck is in scrubs is you know saving people's lives day on day and I've had to reframe my thinking that you know doctors also work in different roles and although I've been through that training process myself even for me that's been a difficult obstacle to overcome because people automatically assume if you're a doctor therefore you work as a GP or in hospital so yeah, it's been interesting. What's it been like? So, because I often think that, you know, there's the concept of like the one thing. Mm. And you have one thing that you do, one thing that you, you're, you know, you're an expert in or you strive to be at least. I, I'm the same as you, right? I don't have one thing that I focus on. And sometimes I struggle with that and I worry, do I spend too much time over here or should I be focusing a little bit more on that? Like, how has that been, especially now you're in this transitional period, mm. like splitting your time between each role yeah it's been difficult I think like you I definitely don't have one thing I've got several things I wear several hats and there's been points in my life where I've tried to do that all of them full-time so there's a point where I was working full-time in the hospital and running the business full-time and like trying to stay on top of relationships and everything else that comes with it and it's just not sustainable and I realized my health was being sacrificed mentally and physically and if you know the basis of my platform is you know health and longevity and I'm not you know living as I preach that felt a bit kind of like I was being a hypocrite so 
I think you can balance several things and focus on several things, but there will be seasons where you focus on one a bit more. And right now, medicine's taking, or clinical medicine's taking a back step for me. And I'm really throwing myself into kind of public health and nutrition and how I can help people on a larger scale, which is really nice to have that break, to have that mental space to really focus on these things because you just can't, you can't pour from an empty cup, mm. you know? Yeah, I resonate with that so much, like, mm. especially when you're talking about feeling like a hypocrite. I'll talk about like peak performance and mindset and all these things and then like I'm burning out myself and having really bad thoughts. <laughs> it's like, fuck, yeah. like, you try to maintain that, but that's, that's really interesting. So which of those things do you think makes you the happiest? I don't know. Um, this is the question that I've been asking myself lately in terms of where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? What's my blue sky day? When am I my happiest? And in an ideal world, I would have a combination of all those things across my week. Unfortunately, like with, you know, professional roles like being a doctor and nutritionist, it requires upskilling all the time and, and being involved so it's not as easy as dipping in and out I think my, I'm at my happiest and fulfilled when I feel like I'm making a difference in the world and so when I'm working in the hospital and I'm you know helping someone improve or save their life then that's obviously a huge win and you get like instant gratification because you're like wow I you know was able to help this person but then working online, I'm still getting that. It's just in a different way. So like creating content that can help more people at once on a larger scale. Um, but you don't get the instant one-on-one -on -one feedback. You're not having patients who are like, I feel incredible now or I feel better or you've saved my life. But the alternative gives me much better uh, kind of quality of life, which is really important for me. And I think... In the last two years, we've all gone through this pandemic and the most I've learned so many lessons. I've seen an extortionate number of people fall sick and an extortionate number of people die. And witnessing that is it changes you as a person. So it made me realize or made me reflect on, right, like this is how fleeting life can be. Am I doing what I really want to do? Um, am I following my expectations for myself or the expectations for that other people have for me and that question is something that I ponder on a lot and I think that's why I've had this transition because I need to try what my heart's telling me to try and maybe that won't work out but that's fine so yeah I think that's a long-winded way of answering your question no that was amazing <laughs> I, I really felt it when you said that because I think that so many of us are wrapped up in what we think we should do mm. I was interested to talk to you actually about that journey as a doctor like it's very it is quite a conventional path isn't it very like intense studying and you know this is quite might be quite stereotypical but from the people who I know who are in medicine it's it's kind of the parents who drove that or even if they didn't do it directly there was an expectation and the and the kid turned that into it made made that into something like oh I should be a doctor or a lawyer or something that mm -hmm. makes me seem like I've got my shit together yeah what what was your route into medicine like how did that come about to be honest like there's no medics in my family and my parents never pressurized me into doing anything but my backstory is I guess I was you know 
quite clever at school so my parents thought I would do something good with my life (laughs) Um, but my dad was an accountant so traditionally they were kind of pushing me down something to do with business or maths he died when I was 14 unexpectedly of a stroke and that changed my life and it was after that I decided I want to be a doctor. I don't really know the moment. I don't know whether it was straight away or maybe a year down the line, but there was something changed and I decided to change all my subjects that were kind of business, accounting to biology, physics, science and applied maths. And I decided a little bit late in the game and I didn't get the points. We call it points in Ireland, like the A-level equivalent. I didn't get the grades I needed anyway to get into medicine. And for some reason, didn't want to give up on this dream. So I moved to Cardiff in Wales when I was 18 from a place just north of Dublin and did this kind of entry level medical degree to get me into medicine. So I did that for three years. Then I went into graduate entry medicine for four years. So even my route into medicine was not conventional. You know, I was an older medic as well. It was, it required me to move country to, you know, self-fund all of this because I was, you know, not, I didn't grow up in the UK and it wasn't an easy thing, but something drove me to do it. And I think, yeah, there was nothing, there was no one in my life who was like, you should do this. It was only me, which is very different to a lot of the medics that I went to uni with. Wow. Um, how does it feel like say, talking about your dad like that and especially that like, in this transitional period when you're thinking about doing less of the clinical medicine stuff because it sounds like that was the motivation then mm. like you saw something that had a drastic impact on your life very close to you which then it sounds like you translated to I want to help that happen less or have some sort of impact there yeah. and now you're potentially going to be taking less of a path clinical role. yeah how does that feel now reflecting on that So I started the Food Medic brand when I was in medical school. This is nine, ten years ago. I don't know the exact date, but like 2011, 2012. And the Food Medic grew out of my interest between nutrition and lifestyle and our health. And we were paying like a lot of lip service to these things in medical school. But you don't actually learn about nutrition or like applying nutritional practices in medical school. And I found this really frustrating because... Um, You know, I mentioned earlier that my dad died of a stroke and that is a kind of a cardiovascular disease, which is not the result of one thing. It's not an infection. It's something that you develop over time due to risk factors like high blood pressure and activity, diet, stress, you know, type 2 diabetes. All of these things are risk factors. And the summer before my dad died, he had just been diagnosed with high blood pressure had been told he was borderline type 2 diabetic and he was taking these steps to improve his diet. He joined a gym. He was doing all the right things, but I often think it was a bit too little too late. I don't think he had the right guidance at the time from doctors and clinical teams around him. And so that was why I started the Food Medic because I thought, okay, it's all well and good. We know how to fix people when they become ill, but how do we stop bringing people into the hospital in the first place? And so that was my motivation behind starting this blog, Mm. which became a website. I'm on my third book. It's a podcast. It's a huge platform with half a million people. And so 
the reason I'm going through this transition is because I think I've got more power to help more people. There's so many great doctors. There's so many great doctors. But I feel like I have this unique ability or unique position. And it would be absolutely foolish if I didn't take it. So if, if anything, it sounds like you feel more aligned yeah. to that purpose in the beginning. Yeah. And, and is that is that what you think it is? Is it, the, is it your purpose? I think it is. It sounds, you know, like I feel like it's very woo and spiritual when I say that, but I definitely think it's my vocation's the food medic. And, you know, I'm not, I I feel like I'm lying to myself if I don't pursue it. Mm. Yeah. 10 years, by the way, I did my research. Ten, <laughs> ten it's, years. it's your 10-year ten, ten anniversary. <laughs> there you go, 10 years. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I want to talk to you a little bit about starting it right so that you told me about the motivation so there's a feeling there it always starts with some sort of feeling an emotional connection yeah but take flight a lot is about what is it that actually then pushes you to take a leap of faith to actually take action actually do it whether that is to start writing your first blog or getting the website domain like what was it that actually pushed you into action rather than just a feeling of starting the food medic it's you know what, like, although I've just shared, like, my purpose, the very, like, the first step was more spurred on by my own personal journey. And so I had finished that first degree and I'd just been told I've been accepted into medicine. And, like, I studied so hard to get into medicine. So I, you know, in uni, I was really, really pushing myself. But I was also partying really hard as well. And I'd, like, you know, like everyone does when they first move away from home like you're learning and I wasn't very healthy and I thought you know if I'm going to be a doctor I want to lead by example I want to be the healthiest version of myself and I wasn't eating very healthily I had stopped exercising I was you know not sleeping because I was spending nights in the library and living off Red Bull hmm. and so I did I kind of started with me and then built up from there and mm. so as I was moving through this journey of like learning how to strength train and learning how to incorporate more veggies into my diet and things like that I realized a this is actually really hard b there's loads of misinformation out there and c this is really valuable for people who are going through the same thing and so it started with me and then just grew from there mm, interesting yes for listeners who have heard this a million times I apologize but it's the same for starting this like it was a very selfish thing to begin with I hit my version of rock bottom working in the city and thought money was the all, all end all and be all but realized it wasn't so then wanted to speak to people who seemed like they had it together and that's why I started this selfishly to learn from them mm. that's interesting isn't it I suppose but it's this it's, it's that thought of like if the plane's going down you put your mask on first I suppose it always has to start with you and about, again I'm just thinking out loud here but as a coach you can only take a client as far down the path as you've walked yourself so I guess you always have to do it yourself first yeah yeah that's it and I think it's it's always valuable as well when you've gone through something like that yourself and I mean you can never put yourself in everyone's shoes and I think what's been invaluable working um as a doctor in a central London hospital is that you see people of you know all backgrounds walk mm. through the door and you have to meet them at where they're at mm. and you know some people don't even have a home uh, like you know they live from food banks and yeah. so that's a very different cohort to the people who are online who are you know 
tend to have like you know good incomes yeah. a roof over their he- uh, heads and they just need like a little bit of guidance and yeah. so having all that life experience will never go to waste yeah you know does it like change the way that you deliver your message like you know because it's a similar conversation that you're having wherever you are yeah. but does it change like you know those patients that you're seeing from all different backgrounds versus the you know probably more well-off healthier people who are online yeah absolutely because ultimately you need to get the kind of basic human needs first and that's like you know food and clean water and like sleep and all of that so you know if I am working on an acute medical shift and sometimes it's just helping someone find a shelter and you know we've got really good teams in the hospital that can help with that and so in those moments I'm not you know asking them if they're getting their five a day (laughs) you know it's it's like the least of my worries but then working online I can kind of exercise my nutrition hat a bit more and it's like helping people find tweak so that they can perform better every day or you know they've been diagnosed with a kind of a health condition that requires a bit of nutritional input and that's something we can help support as well which they're probably not going to get from an NHS doctor and that's not bashing doctors because I'm I am one it's just that we don't have those skills and I don't necessarily think that doctors need to be retrained to have that because there's so much you need to learn anyway that it's hard to see how we'd fit in a whole other degree in there but I would love to see more kind of linking up between nutritionists within the NHS. We have dietitians, but they tend to be uh, kind of only available when required as opposed to just helping people in day-to-day matters. So, I mean, the NHS right now is in a bit of a crisis. So this is all like, you know... Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking, <laughs> yeah. I'll one day. Like I often think about especially lately with with what you've been through as a doctor and and what you've seen how do you have compassion for your patients and the people that you spend time with like i think for a long time i avoided pain well i think a lot of us avoid pain generally yeah. speaking yeah. but it's so to to really help someone and to understand someone we have to sit with their pain as well which is almost like you know, that's contradicting. We don't even want to feel our own pain, let alone mm-hmm. someone else's. So how do you, how can you do that as a doctor? Like how, how do you sit with somebody else's pain? I mean, I think in order to be a doctor, although I can't really speak for everyone, you do need to be a compassionate person because you can't judge and you have to kind of sit and meet people where they're at. But I think, you know, not every encounter is a positive one and you have very difficult conversations. Um, You get angry patients, you get patients who are very upset, you get patients in pain. So you never know who's going to come through the door and who you're going to treat. I think as time goes on, you do develop a bit of a hard shell Mm. and, you know, you'll never forget the first person who dies under your care. But as time goes on, you'll get used to it, which is a horrible thing to say that you'd ever get used to something like that. I think I'm a very, a very sensitive person in that I carry it with me and I get very 
like that's why I found COVID so difficult because we were just going through such sheer numbers of people and I was like how is this happening like how are we allowing this but there was nothing that you could do it was just happening overnight and um, I would come home and voice note myself because I thought I'm not in the place to talk about this yet but I want to voice note it so that I can listen back in a year two years three years and remember how difficult that was and that like we got through it um, I still haven't listened back, but maybe I will one day. So I think, like, I don't find it difficult to be compassionate with people. I think that's why I do what I do. If anything, I think that almost be a detriment to my care and that sometimes I need to hold back a little bit and mm. think, you know, like, first and foremost, you're the doctor. You sometimes have to push your emotions aside and just do your job. Yeah. I've often thought, like, with my own health care, like, injuries and stuff like that from sport and other things is it's we can get into a habit of always looking externally can't we we really have to take on the responsibility ourselves mm. and I don't know if it's a particularly fair thing to say but no one no matter how qualified or good they are as a doctor surgeon or anything else will care about your health as much as you will because it's your health so how can like if, if you're someone who's struggling with something like how can you well firstly do you agree with that and how can we be better at taking ownership of our own health um i'm not sure if i fully agree with it because i think it depends on the person like some people i think sometimes there's a lack of understanding or like the consequences of of health behaviors and mm. like what that means down the line again that's also tied up in so many other complicated things you know like some people are in a more privileged position to take ownership over certain things like access to a gym and yeah. you know fresh fruit and veg and things like that but I do think ultimately you know doctors surgeons when we're working in hospital our job is to keep you alive <laughs> first and foremost yeah. uh, what happens outside of the hospital that's up to you like I can tell you what to do but telling yeah. you what to do rarely does any good it requires someone to like have internal motivation to do mm -hmm. those things so you know like Everyone knows it's good to move your body, to eat more vegetables, to sleep more, to not drink alcohol, to not take drugs. Do people do that because they have the knowledge? They still do it, even though they know it's not good. But why do they continue doing it? And so it's all down to behavior change. And I think in order to motivate people to take ownership, they need to really tap into their why. And that's why I kind of have a bit of a grudge with like certain messages on social media that's like you know very much like just do it just kind of like mm. you know it's simple like just eat less and move more I'm like it's really not that simple and I don't think shouting at people makes them do it you know I think you need to be clever in how you encourage people to do these things you need to change their perception of it like as not just like a difficult thing that they have to do but actually something that they get to do something that's can be really simple it just needs to be simplified for them yeah um and I, I think the same goes for healthy eating messages and exercise it can be simple we just overcomplicate it and make people think that it's a sacrifice yeah yeah that's music to my ears. You can eat, you can do your five a day. You can, you could probably train every single day if you wanted to. But if you don't address like you're calling it the why, but or like whatever that deep thing is within you, call it your purpose, dharma, whatever, or or even the, the, the negative sides of those, the wounds and stuff that you mm. carry. You can eat the healthiest you've ever eaten and train the hardest you've ever trained, but if you haven't 
healed and tapped into that inner yeah. whatever it is, whatever you want to refer to it as, then you're not going to be a happy person anyway. No, that's it. That's it. So, it, I mean, it's holistic. It goes full circle. Mm. And I think the people who are, who are most successful at doing those things tend to identify as a person who does those things. So mm. they're like, I go to the gym. I, you know, follow a healthy diet. I prioritize my sleep. They're the things that, like, are important to me. And for me they're like fundamental basic needs that I have if I don't do those things I'm not good at my job I'm mm. not you know a good partner I'm not like a good friend I'm not yeah. living at my best and I'm not giving my best yeah you're railroading me every time you say something <laughs> I'm trying to stick to my script here Hazel and <laughs> I want to talk about the food medic again please yeah so that I'll just gonna, gonna jump straight exactly. to it rather than yeah <laughs> so firstly Actually, before we do, I just want to applaud you on everything that you've done as a doctor, especially the last couple of years, because I can only imagine how difficult thank it's you. been. So <laughs> that's just amazing. Like, yeah, thank you for everything. Food Medic, 10 years as the blog. And then obviously you've done so much with it between then, including the books, including the podcasts and everything else. Like you've even done like conferences and events and stuff, yeah. and, which is outstanding. So I want to know the difference between that leap into starting the blog versus then when you start to like put on a conference for, I think you had like 500 people or something and loads of speakers and all these things, which is, I know as I do smaller events, how hard that is to organize. So, you know, committing to things like that and actually putting that into action, committing to the podcast, like how has that leap changed over time? Does it get easier? Does it get harder? What, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? I think the blog felt like a really safe place to start. Mm. You know, 10 years ago, blogging was only really starting and a lot of it was uh, like beauty and fashion bloggers and so you know no one was reading it in the you yeah. know in the early days and I was able to just like I'd write really long articles and I really enjoyed it and I was you know I was a medical student so I didn't have loads of time but I'd do it every Sunday and I would I kind of used Instagram as a platform to launch it off mm-hmm. And that was a really safe space. But then it started, like, you know, it drew attention gradually. And Was it was it friends, like, on Instagram then? Or did you have a following before the blog started? No, to be honest, none of my friends knew I was doing it initially. Okay. Because I was, like, so embarrassed of the fact <laughs> that I was... I, I was not embarrassed, but I was like, what if this fails, you know? Mm. And, like, who am I to start a blog? That yeah. kind of, like, lack of confidence in what I was doing. Mm. Um, and so... Yeah, like it just, it grew an audience of people who were strangers and three years down the line, then, you know, someone messaged me or emailed me and was like, we'd love to offer you a book deal. And I was like, what is Mm. even happening? Like, this is mad. And I think from the book deal, from someone reaching out and offering me a book deal, it wasn't just one publisher, it was multiple publishers all wanted to publish my first book. And that, I remember reading that email, sitting in my little uni room, like I was 24 years Mm. of age I'm 31 now thinking this is so much bigger than I expected and I think it was moments like that that made me realize that I this could be more than than what I thought it could be Mm. and I should have the confidence in myself and so yeah the you know the podcast came from there I I started my first podcast 2018 again podcasts weren't that big but I started to have the mentality that like I'd rather try than not try at all you know try and fail and thankfully didn't fail touch wood but 
yeah, it's just having the confidence in yourself and having the right people around you. Like I'm very lucky that I have like a team now who are very good at their job. I see the food medic as a team. It's not just mm. me. And that gives me the confidence to move forward because I can I can trust that we're going to get the work done. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, this is so big. Can I do this? And I'm having a lot of those moments right now because I'm I'm constantly leaping towards these new things and trying new projects. And yeah, I don't, I think if you're scared, it's a good sign. Yeah, it's so hard, isn't it, when you do that? Because it's constant growth, constant new experiences. So you're almost always button up against that self-doubt because the thing you face again is something you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So again, you have to ask yourself, you know what you said, who am I to be doing this? Yeah. So it's a constant cycle of... Imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then believing in yourself and then imposter syndrome and then believing. Is there anything you do to help yourself? Like, if, you know, when you have those moments, who am I to be doing a blog, writing a book or anything else or doing a podcast? Like, how do you get through those moments? I, I reflect on what I've done so far mm. and like try to rationalize my thoughts. Yeah. I think like I'm a naturally quite anxious person. And so sometimes I can, you know, think that things are worse than they are. But if I kind of reflect on all the things that we have done, like the books and the podcast and blah, 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 and how they've worked out, even the things that haven't worked out, like it's not like the sky fell, just it didn't work. Or we just had to go back to the drawing board and, and make it work. It's not it's not disastrous. The other thing is like the food medic is not life and death. It's very different to yeah. working in the hospital. That's nice contrast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, and I think that makes me brave because I'm like, the worst that can happen. Mm. But speaking to others about it and like like with anything when you just kind of sit back and like I have this idea and I want to do it but I'm really nervous or I'm scared this won't work out or I haven't figured out this part yet and just mm. echoing my thoughts out loud has been really helpful you know and some people like offer you ideas that you haven't thought about and yeah. things and I think yeah I definitely haven't perfected that though yeah do you feel lonely at times with it yeah, definitely. I think one of the reasons I do love working in the hospital is that you do work in a team mm. and, um, you know, I'm never the most senior person. So if something happens and I'm a, like, uh, I can yeah. speak to a consultant or I can, you know, speak to another doctor. And it's usually like when something goes wrong with the food medic, I'm boss CEO. So it's like, Hazel, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm making this up as we go along. <laughs> so I do feel lonely, but I try to speak to other people who are in a similar position, yeah. even if they don't work in my industry, and ask them how they feel. And it's funny because a lot a lot of people who run their own businesses, even when they do have a team, will say, yeah, it's lonely because you're the one who's like up at 5 a.m. getting it done yeah. because at the end of the day, it falls on you. Yeah. Yeah, I found that a tough transition leaving the corporate world of tea. Even even though I hated it, you've got people around you who 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 either hate it as well or know why you're struggling. Yeah, and you can always like bounce off of that and the social side and all the camaraderie. The social side, you yeah. know, like on tea breaks, you've like such good banter and it just mm -hmm. takes like a load off your mind. Whereas yeah, like to laugh at it. All. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You need that, and I think like one of the things that really got me through COVID was my COVID team was like the best team and we're still like really close we mm. meet up for socials a lot of them were more junior than I was and I just felt like even when we were having terrible days like we'd still we'd just 
get into the doctor's office and chat about other things that yeah. like was completely irrelevant like yeah. what new show was on Netflix and I needed that like I needed those moments so yeah. now working from home I kind of feel like sometimes I get to the end of the day and I'm like I haven't seen a actual human today mm. <laughs> apart from like a zoom human yeah and you can kind of feel a bit like oh okay I yeah. guess I'll close my laptop now and yeah. finish for the day yeah last year I thought I was losing my mind I spent most of my time with my dog or in the evening, my little girl, who was like one at the time. <laughs> so like the only people I speak to is a dog and a baby. <laughs> like, am I even making sense anymore? No, that's amazing. But do you know what as well? Like, I, I don't know whether you found this, but I've more recently than ever, I've reflected on it over Christmas, is to speak to people who aren't doing what we're doing, like in that entrepreneur role or whatever it is, content creation or whatever. People who don't give a shit about it, just to get away from it. Like you're saying, talking about the Netflix mm. show with the team and not talking about what you're doing the moment you leave the tea room. Yeah. But speaking to people who just don't care about it and talk about something completely different. Yeah. Just for some separation, I guess. Yeah, that's it. And I think that's why it's important to like, regardless of how busy you are, how much you're trying to grow your brand, to like not neglect your social life mm. and. I that's also one of my kind of like New Year's resolutions is to really put time and energy into my relationships like friendships and family and, yeah. and partners and things like that and because like you need that like yeah. that and that's one of the core areas of health as well like yeah. the people who are more connected tend to be happier healthier live longer even have like lower risks of heart mm. disease and things like that because that just shows how important it is for our stress levels and overall health. Yeah, it's so true. That connection is is everything, really, isn't it? I think sometimes, like I've definitely been guilty of getting so obsessed or like driven by the goal of making, you know, take flight, whatever it is, or whatever that goal is at the time, that you do neglect those things, you sacrifice those things because that suddenly seems the, the be all and end all and so important. But, yeah. it's, but it's not it's not no it's not I think sometimes you can go through like a hustle season yeah that's how I like to see it like nice. and right now I feel like I'm kind of going through a hustle season but I know that I've got like a bit of a break in Feb where I can take time out and yeah. you know I think yeah with everything we go through seasons it's like when you know some of my best friends have you know they've just had babies or yeah. they're getting married and that's their focus right now and that's mm -hmm. fine and I'm there to support them but I know I'm not going to see them as much and mm -hmm. I think your friends will understand when you go through those times. Yeah, I love that. Hustle season. Yeah. All right. I'm in a hustle season. That's my excuse for not talking to you. <laughs> I listened to your podcast with James Clear. Yes. Great episode. Yeah, he's great. Great book. He was talking about how he got started in the episode you recorded. And I think, was it a blog, right? It was a blog? And no yeah, one was, a newsletter. A newsletter. And no one was reading it or something like that. Which sometimes I felt like that myself on my journey on my podcast like hello <laughs> is anybody there so what what was your journey like because you said that you started to share it on instagram and then there was like people that you didn't know who got onto the the blog and started viewing it there yeah so like were there any major tipping points for the growth of your audience or anything that you felt worked and it's hard to reflect on that now because the landscape's changed so much today and those things might not work anymore but what what were the things that you think helped you grow to your half a million plus audience I think like starting as a personal brand, people buy into people yeah. and that wasn't my intention. I wasn't like trying to like, you know, trick anyone into mm. following the page. But, you know, people followed my health transformation and like I I did change physically 
pretty dramatically, I guess, if you put side by side photos. And that was what I was doing at the time, which I don't do anymore. And I, you know, if I was to do it all over again, maybe I wouldn't do it that way. I don't know. I don't know if it was the right or wrong way to do it. But I think that was the buy in for a lot of people. And so you were Dr. Hazel who was going for a physical transformation. Yeah, but at the time I was just medical student Hazel. Right. Okay. okay. (laughs) And so the other that was the other difference you know there was no one qualified to give advice online you know there was a lot of like insta girls who were like fitspos or whatever Mm. and the difference was that i was calling a lot of that out Mm. (laughs) which probably drew attention not like not everyone was happy with that so i think that was my initial growth phase and then i think it was when i got around to like fifty thousand followers was when i got the book deal and that was probably three years down the line. Mm-hmm. And that, alongside that, that brought like, you know, huge press, the Daily Mail, blah, blah, blah. And I was working as a junior doctor in London. It was my first year. And Which so hospital were you in? Uh, UCLH. Oh, are you? Yeah. Nice. And I was coming off like night shifts and, you know, getting on the metro. And I was like on the, you know, in the metro and it was a bit surreal. No and they were like focusing more on like, the fact that I was juggling it all. Um, and I was really in a really bad place then because I was just so tired trying to you know, survive. Yeah. <laughs> survive yeah. my night shifts, but also I'd come up at home and I'd have to answer all these interviews and I'd have to do photo shoots and not have to. I was, you know, gladly doing them, but it was a very hard time. Mm. And so all of that came with press and then, yeah, step by step and I just kept chipping away. There was never, you know, like people go on shows like Love Island or whatever and they get like a million followers yeah. overnight that didn't happen for me yeah. and I, I've never had like a boom in followers overnight you know I've 500,000 I don't know how many but more than half a million followers yeah. now on Instagram alone and that was slow so people come on my page and they're like wow what did you do like yeah. how did you do that like I'm like 10 years <laughs> you just told me it's taken 10 years <laughs> so you know chip away just keep yeah. on keep on chipping <laughs> <Yeah>. away <laughs> keep on chipping was it harder to do the zero to 50 than the 50 to five hundred thousand? probably mm. probably i think i was posting three times a day at one mm, point really but it was like things like breakfast lunch and dinner like that type of yeah. simple content you know back in the days where people only shared photos on instagram yeah. and you know there was like the basic filters with like the frames around it, it was mm. like those days you know what's really interesting though I'm so glad that I grew my audience slowly because I've got people who are still with me that were there from day one Mm. and when I sell journals or events they sell out within minutes because Mm. people are so invested and I've got you know friends who have millions of followers and they struggle to sell things because they've got people who've come onto their page because of they've seen them on a a show or they were in a newspaper or whatever and I'm like I know that what I'm doing adds value and I don't care if it doesn't you know grow I don't need two million followers yeah you know if I if it gets to that point the food medic gets to that point that's amazing that's two million people that we're speaking to mm-hmm. but at least I know the people who are there are listening yeah what do you think is your most powerful platform Instagram for sure yeah because that's what I put my most energy into you know like Twitter I just use it to like have general musings Mm -hmm. facebook is more like a different community youtube i've kind of sacked that off now i just don't have the energy or time to do it 
my podcast is great. You know, I love that. I, I find, I don't know about you, but I feel like so lucky that I get to speak to people yeah. that like tell me things that I'm like tapping into their brain for an hour mm. is amazing. And that's a different audience as well. But I still think Instagram's like my core. It will always be my core. Do you have a newsletter as well? I do. Yeah. yeah, I do. We've got a newsletter, which, and it's, you know, it's quite good. I think we've got like about 40,000 people subscribed. And that's generally a kind of a, a recap of our website. And I put so much time and resources into the website, which people don't really actually read, hmm. um, which is another interesting thing. Not that they don't read. It's it's like definitely underutilized. Mm-hmm. And so I need to promote that more. But we've got an educational hub where I have regular like contributors who are constantly sharing content in their fields of specialty. So I'm really proud of that. But yeah, it's kind of uh, something that hasn't really exploded. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It's such valuable insight though. I think especially the last two years has driven businesses to have to consider digital more than ever before. Like in fact, it's probably the most important avenue for gaining customers, keeping customers, informing customers. So it's really, really great to hear that. And I've, I've found I certainly haven't mastered anything. Like I'm still trying to I'm chipping. I'm doing the chipping. The chipping <laughs> pays off. It does. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I think it, you're right, though, because it's different. Like the podcast is an intimate conversation. Like this is a, a type of conversation where people invest an hour of their time to listen to and get deep value. Mm. Whereas if you're on Instagram, you want a 30 second hit of something and it probably needs to be a little bit shocking or controversial like your style. It, has yeah. to, it kind of has to have something like I just tried something today where the opening of the reel said, I don't give a fuck what people think about me just to see if people like it more. And they do. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like the ones when I talk about the other stuff, which is arguably like more important. Yeah. So you, it's finding that balance and you can't get away with just doing one thing and spreading it across all channels yeah I completely agree I completely agree sometimes you do have to play the game a little bit Mm. which I not you know don't always enjoy but I think if you play the game a little bit then you just drip feed the content you really want to share in between you hide it in between yeah yeah yeah. and (laughs) so keeps everyone happy yeah yeah so the other thing I wanted to speak with you about 10-year journey right you've grown so much in that period what does your audience who was with you from day one feel if you have that feedback or how do you feel they feel when you change or things because it's it is your life at the end of the day so you have to remain true to yourself yeah it's interesting you know I feel like generally I feel very lucky in that like the community is very supportive and I've had moments where I've been really nervous like you know recently when I took a step back from medicine like a huge proportion of my audience are medical students and doctors who really look up to me and what Mm. I do and the fact that I juggle everything and so stepping back and going I can't juggle this anymore and I'm going to focus on the food medic for a little bit and step back from my clinical role that was a big thing for me to say and I you know was trying not to say for a long time and then once I said it everyone was just like that's amazing Mm. like it's great that you're doing this and the food medic's invaluable and you know people just applauding me I definitely do hear through the grapevine like one or two people who will say oh well you know I respected you more when you were working blah 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 and they're not you know they tend to be doctors and speaking to my medic friends they're like is that coming from a place of of them actually believing that or that the fact that you're doing something different and have this that 
they wish that they had that. And I don't know what the answer is. You know, I don't know. I just know that majority of people are overly supportive. And I try to, I think like every decision that I've made has come from a good place. And the transition's been so slow that people have kind of gotten used to it or they've seen it coming before I've seen it coming and they're like, of course you're doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you've been trying to do that for a long time. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I think that also shows that people have bought into me as well. They're like, they're, the food medic, yeah, it's a brand, but like, I'm the face of the brand yeah. and a, a person behind the brand. Yeah. How long were you thinking about it before you came out and actually said that you're going to take a step back? probably two years because really? I tried to do it pre-pandemic mm. I, I actually left my first my last clinical role before COVID on a Wednesday I was a nutrition doctor left on the Wednesday and I was sitting at a computer uh, on one of the wards like just finishing off like typing up notes and one of this doctors on another team came and sat beside me and he was like Hazel what are you doing on Friday and I was like today's my last day and he was like so we need to recruit you to the COVID team. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like, is this a thing? And so I had one day off and then I was a COVID doctor for no. two years. And so I didn't get to do the full, I'm just going to do the food medic for a bit. So it's been a long time coming and I'm so grateful. I'm so glad that I did uh, work as a doctor in the COVID times. And I'm still on standby if they ever need me. It's not like I've completely stepped away. I, I'm like, we were speaking before the podcast I'm still vaccinating, doing things to keep my foot in the door because I haven't made the decision that I want to leave mm. completely. Just right now, that's like, I'm not in that season. I'm in the food medic season. Yeah. Hustle season. <laughs> Different hustle. Different hustle. <laughs> what was the biggest, not to get sidetracked again, but what was the biggest thing you took from the two years and like that experience? Because, you know, we were all locked in at home, like not really seeing anything, hearing the weekly updates from the government, yeah. whereas you saw the truth. What was the biggest thing that you took from that? How quickly life can change, you know, like it happens so quickly. And the day, the first day we were all on the wards working, you know, we were a gastro team. So we usually deal with the gut and we had to deal with a condition that involved the lungs primarily. And so we were all learning. Mm. We were all like levels from consultant, from like kind of day one doctors to consultant level, all learning the same thing on the same moment, firefighting, just trying to keep people alive. And so I think, yeah, I I realised how quickly you can learn on the job and also how important it is to have the right people around you and how important communication is. So like we didn't really have like, we didn't have set like break times, but you had to be like, I need a break right now. Mm. Like, you know, I'm struggling or I've been a PPE all day. I need to have these set times and having the right people around you and the consultants were really good at like checking in, you know, like even simple things that they all like came together and got us a coffee machine. We never had a coffee machine on the wards. And so mm. it made like, you know, the tiniest little boost <laughs> in your day is like in the mornings we'd all sit around and have coffee together. Nice. And so little things went a long way. Yeah, amazing. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about what we can learn around managing our own health. What, like, you know, all your experience from your studies to real world experiences and even the things you implement in your, you know, your books and recipes and everything else and the fitness. What are the main things that we can control to maintain physical, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual health? 
like it's the message is so boring and everyone knows it (laughs) and like I think like we said earlier it's like um, most of this information is not new knowledge it's like prioritizing the main pillars of health and so top of that's going to be like making sure that you're getting enough sleep and not just enough hours in bed but enough good quality sleep Mm. and that's something that like I've really started to nerd out on and making Mm. sure that like I'm winding down with enough time before I'm going to bed I'm have a good consistent sleep schedule I'm not on my phone before going to sleep I'm not having caffeine too late in the day those kind of things sleep is not just a passive activity it's like you're renewing your body every Mm. night and also you're consolidating memories and the things that you're building and it links up with your metabolism and your heart health and your brain health and every system in your body. So low hanging fruit, just sleep more Then, like thinking about nutrition, you know, again, like I feel like I repeat myself with people all the time, but it's like basics. It's like making sure you're like getting protein in at each meal of the day and snacks like 20 grams to 30 grams, making sure you're hitting five a day, if not more consistently hydrating, opting for whole grain over like refined carbohydrates those basics that people know but aren't practicing Mm. you know trying to cook more and not eat out of the home as often um moving your body every day and that can be whatever way you think you enjoy or feel like you enjoy so there's not one right way of moving your body but if you can move more and sit less then you're off to a good start and you know the 10,000 step rule is a bit of a arbitrary number but if some people find that's a good goal to go go for, then it is, you yeah. know. And on top of that, like I like to see people not only focus on the kind of movement side of things, but also in- including strength, not just for men, not just for bodybuilders, but women, older people. Everyone needs to be doing some form of resistance training. And again, that's not just for muscles. It's for your brain. It's for your heart. It's for your bones. Um, And then, like we said earlier, relationships, like making sure that we feel secure and connected in our relationships because we know that people who are in strong relationships live longer or happier or healthier are less likely to die of heart disease. And so it's not about having all of the friends in the world. It's just making sure that the relationships you're in are the right ones and the ones that make you feel happy. So it's a good time to reflect on those. If someone's draining your energy, maybe they're not the right people to have in your life. And then simple things like not smoking, not drinking too much alcohol, not getting too sucked into social media, all of those things. But if you focus on the low hanging fruit, then you need to worry less about like fancy supplements or, you know, like saunas and, you know, cold water training and things like that. Like focus on the basics, nail them and the rest will just kind of fall into place. Okay, amazing. So it, obviously there's so much study and knowledge in your mind which has gone into understanding that. But like if we go into one of each of those like very briefly. Mm. So when we're saying sleep, because it is so much more than just you lie down and you get your seven to nine hours. Yeah. But what are you suggesting? Are you saying, is it is it just getting that seven to nine hours? Is that what we're trying to make sure we That's can? the goal in terms of kind of the golden time spent in bed. But what you find is there's a a huge discrepancy between time spent in bed and actual time asleep. And Mm. we call that sleep efficiency. Mm -hmm. And so the goal is 100%. But no one goes into bed and falls asleep and bam. Like there's always a period of time. And typically women will find it harder to fall asleep. We tend to ruminate a bit more Mm. um, than men, which is, again, generalizing. (laughs) So not all men and not all women. 
But if you're the type of person that it does require a little bit of time to fall asleep, then you need to give yourself a bit of a buffer period. Yeah. And uh, one of my friends says, you know, like the sun doesn't just set and rise. It Like it takes time. Yeah. And that's how you should think about your bedtime. Mm. Take time to wind down at least 30 minutes, but if not 60 minutes where you kind of get into your pajamas, you kind of dim the lights in your room, maybe have like a, a shower to try bring down your body temperature, read a book, those kind of things, put your phone away. And that's sending a signal to your brain that it's time to go to sleep. And the mm. same same with meal times, not having food too late before you go to sleep, because just like our brain has a kind of a rhythm, so does our body clock, kind of our peripheral body clock. So when you have food too late at night, you're sending a signal to your body like, hey, it's still daytime. Mm. So be careful about not eating too late before you go to bed. All those practices lead to better sleep and um you can start tracking it and see what works for you. I know that like for me, gratitude, like if I practice gratitude before bed, that has improved my sleep and I'm tracking it using a whoop, but you can use it, you know, mm. subjectively or objectively, whatever way you want to track it. I know that using my phone before bed, like unsurprisingly affects my sleep, yeah. alcohol massively, even a half glass of wine. And I don't feel like I subjectively, I feel fine. I wake up and I've got like, see that I've been waking up loads in the night. So just while you might sleep kind of the same amount of hours, you'll have disrupted sleep. Mm. So that's just something to think about. And so that would kind of be my kind of primary rules yeah. for getting good sleep. That's great. Because I'm like, I've always been so strict on my sleep, but obviously my little girl arrived and just ruined mm. my <laughs> life. <Yeah. laughs> and my life. I always but, think that it's all well and good me saying that because I don't have kids. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Because I everything I listen to, it always comes back to sleep. A lot of the time anyway, when we're talking about holistic health, like everyone's like, well, assuming you're getting your sleep right, then you can start to think about yeah. doing these things. Like, I'm, I haven't got my sleep right. <laughs> no, but you can, I mean, water. you can compensate a little bit with napping. It's just about yeah. getting the right time. So not like napping late in the afternoon and also keeping it like under 20. I think like 25 to 30 minutes mm. is like the golden yeah. time. Yeah, trying. <laughs> <laughs> From a nutrition standpoint, again, because there's so much we could talk about. So I'll just ask you one question and see, mm. see your thoughts on this. If you could narrow it down, you're only allowed five foods to eat for the rest of your life. They're obviously going to give you that full diet. They're going to give you as much nutrition as we need. What would be the five foods that you'd pick? So already I hate this question because I just would never have that reductionist way of thinking. But that's the problem with with everything is that like people want fast answers and just want foods, like individual foods. But if I like back against the wall, going against my head, I have to pick five foods. Well, I had Rhiannon on and I tried to like just get some advice for a, like a meal plan and like it just wasn't happening so I was like right next time I speak to someone who knows about nutrition you, I'm asking a more direct okay, question so you're going to a desert island okay yeah. I think obviously this some people might not agree because everyone has different types of like dietary preferences and ethical concerns but oily fish so salmon would be up there yeah. because it's a source of protein and omega-3 fatty acids like you can get omega-3s from plant-based foods but not the same type and it doesn't convert as well so if you're not having kind of oily fish in your diet you'll probably need to supplement so i got oily fish up there salmon is my number one mm -hmm. then i put some kind of berry in there like a blueberry or a blackberry because they're like really rich in, in antioxidants polyphenols they also taste good yeah. i'm gonna go for a carbohydrate so probably something like 
a sweet potato mm-hmm. because yes, it's offering me carbs, but also it's like a colorful veg. There's lots of other nutrients in there, high in vitamin C and vitamin A. So that would be kind of my third food. Fort food, I'm going to go with like a peanut butter purely out of enjoyment. Um, And also like it's a healthy fat, protein, satiating. It's good food in there. And then maybe if I'm going out of necessity, probably add in some, what have I got? I've got protein in there. I've got some fats. I've got some carbs. I've got blueberries. Like a green or something? Yeah, I'd add in green. I mean, it depends on what we're like defining as health. Like, yes, leafy greens are super healthy, like kale or something like that. But if it's like desert island and it's survival, then I might go something like chocolate or coffee because Mm. I personally feel like a healthy diet isn't just about the individual nutrients, but also how enjoyable it is. And yeah, so or maybe I'll go olive oil because that's, you know. We'll go with all those foods. <laughs> Thank so, you, Hazel, for okay. answering that question that you hated. That was so hard for me. <laughs> Immediately saw you tense up and move away from me. <laughs> no, thank you. That's amazing. So we're all going to go and buy salmon, blueberries, peanut butter. <laughs> so we do the same three questions at the end of every episode. Quick fire answers, really, but if you want to elaborate, feel free. Okay. The first of these three is, is there one thing you've discovered or come across recently that you're particularly excited about? I'm personally quite interested in kind of the evolution of tech in like the health world. Mm. And so I've just joined the women's performance team, which we've actually just met, made with Whoop. So Whoop is kind of like a performance device. And so I'm helping like lead on the female research there. So that's an area I'm really interested because it can, you know, tapping into sleep and optimizing performance is something that i geek out on so yeah mm. interested to see where we go with that yeah that sounds amazing congratulations that's awesome thank you yeah they're great aren't they i haven't actually got one but i've got loads of friends who've got a whoop band or the aura ring like these wearables yeah they're i mean they're not essential uh don't tell them i said that but <laughs> yeah. if you do really want to squeeze out that extra one percent in mm. your life and it's made me so uh, aware of my sleep behaviors and that's like i've been able to like try different things you yeah. know like dabbled in cbd oil even though the evidence isn't there to see if it affected my sleep and things like that Mm. and you can just experiment and Mm. see what works for you yeah no it's good fun i I tried all that stuff as well (laughs) desperate to sleep (laughs) the second is and we spoke a lot about habits and stuff already but if there was one habit you'd recommend all listeners to incorporate into part of their daily routine that's either going to drive their performance or improve their life in some way what would that habit be i'm going to go with something that i don't usually say maybe I would say do a phone-free hour hmm. for an every morning because I feel like that's really optimized my performance, specifically from a business point of view. Because I would find myself waking up and going on social media first thing, yeah. but if you go straight on airplane mode and do one hour of solid work, focusing on your goals, not mm. someone else's, you get so much done. Even if that's like doing journaling and not actually it's not business related or focusing on like what you want to build on yeah it's invaluable yeah, i love that could i pick your brains about one more habit yeah because you've got your journal that's come out yes and firstly i've started journaling i kind of did a little bit here and there but especially the last two years and it's just been like a really powerful practice to to get a more of an objective view of what's going on 
yeah. rather than keeping it stuck in your head. Between the space of you thinking about it and writing it down, you can kind of step back and go like, oh, it's not that bad, or now I understand it in a different way. Yeah. So, yeah, just fascinated to hear your practice. And also, I love that, because it's a similar thing when you're doing your voice notes. It's the same thing, really, yeah. isn't it? It's just like keeping a track of your thoughts yeah. and feelings and everything. So, yeah, I I journal every day, but I designed my own journal because I realized I was keeping two one for productivity and like habit building and the other for kind of like reflecting and I wanted to make it a really seamless process so I only had to carry one journal with me and I don't you know like sometimes I will extend my journaling practice and write a bit more but I've designed this journal in a way that like in one day you can kind of streamline all of that and I think for a lot of people the reason that they don't practice it is because a they don't know how to structure it and b like fitting it into your day but if it's like something that's really easy and I'm prompting you every day then you'll get it done and so yeah we launched the journal just uh, a month ago and sold out within 24 hours (laughs) like 1500 journals so I've ordered the next kind of batch and double that so that we can kind of reach more people oh nice that's awesome I love those that's it's such a great way to I think to start journaling for sure is to have those prompts, but also like to keep it consistent. Yeah. Because sometimes like, I look at my blank page because I'm not every day because you've got a blank page and you're like, oh, where do I fucking start? Yeah, <laughs> like there's so much it. in my head. So that's really nice structured approach. Yeah, it's just... like a, a morning check-in and mm-hmm. a morning check-out and then you kind of structure your work day yeah. in between. No, it's superb. I love it. I'm going to get one when you release <laughs> yeah. The last of these is if you take yourself back to a particularly challenging time in your life pick pick any any moment and imagine that there's two versions of yourself what's the difference between the hazel who has gone on to achieve all the amazing things that you've done you know everything with the food medic books podcasts etc social media all of that and the version who wouldn't have gone on to achieve all those things Mm, i think like i have a crossroads in my mind when you say that question and there is a point where i could have given up and not pursued medicine or kind of any of my goals in life and I probably would still be in Ireland not that that's a bad thing but wouldn't have gone down the path from a career point of view wouldn't be as confident wouldn't be as happy definitely wouldn't have been in a healthy place and yeah I think I'm a very big believer in what's meant to be will be and it took me to get to this point to like reflect and see ah that's why all those things happen you know like obviously my dad passing away is like a terrible thing but like this cycle of events that happened afterwards have all happened for a reason yeah amazing so what was that what was that moment specifically like um when I was about 16, 17, I was grieving so hard. And I remember sitting in a doctor's office with my mum because she was at a, I wasn't, I was just so depressed and uh, my friends couldn't help. My mum couldn't help. And I remember her dragging me there and seeing the look on her face and the doctor just telling me how unhealthy I was, like what was happening to me and my body. And that was a moment when I was like, I can't keep doing that to her and to myself. And yeah, I don't, I think that was the moment and it took a couple of months to get myself back to better health and see the right people. And if I had just given up in that moment and gone, gone into hospital and, you know, I don't know where I'd be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've never shared that story. Oh, no, thank you. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you kept going with it. (laughs) (laughs) 
thanks hazel it's been such a pleasure speaking with you and thanks. you're a rock star so good luck with everything journal stuff with the whoop that you're doing thank you and now going into this new hat of entrepreneur full-time <laughs> i think hustle season hustle season yeah <laughs> it's going to be amazing so i'm pleased i caught you now before it gets too busy yeah thanks for having me <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed hearing all about Hazel's story, everything that she has created, and also the ambitions of what she hopes to create moving forward. It's going to be fascinating watching where she goes, and I'm so pleased we got a chance to have that conversation. As always, if it moves you, please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think will benefit. And I'd love to hear anything that resonated specifically with you. You can reach out to me at markwitter underscore TF on Instagram or at takeflightworld on socials. Also, you can sign up to the brand new Take Flight newsletter. Simply visit takeflightworld.com and sign up via the pop-up or at the foot of any of the web pages to join the newsletter and hear exclusive insights for subscribers only. First access to all these podcast episodes, sneak previews and sneak peeks into future guests, as well as coaching material and other video content that I've created, again, just for people who subscribe to the newsletter. So I'd love to see you over there. There's a really lovely growing community of hustlers and go-getters. And as we move forward, it's certainly going to be where I focus invitations to the upcoming events, which are selling out faster and faster. So if you wanted to be at those events, for example, on the 10th of February, we're sitting down with Spencer Matthews to talk all about the ways he balances his fitness, his family, and his ever-growing company, CleanCo. These events are getting harder and harder to get tickets to, so if you join the newsletter, you'll be the first to hear when these events get scheduled and when tickets go live. I've also spoken loosely about creating some sort of Take Flight book club, so anything like this will always be shared to the subscribers of the newsletter before anywhere else. I'm really enjoying sharing these special episodes in season 14. Can you believe season 14? Nearly four and a half years this podcast has been running. But loving sharing the episodes again. I hope you're enjoying listening. And until next time, stay positive, stay motivated and take flight.